a Radio 191 FM podcast. Kia ora, Morena Koto and Haere Mai. My name is Seb. My name is Nico. And you are listening to your new 11am weekly R1 Tuesday news show on Te Reo Irirangi Kotahi. Coming up on the programme Iteneira, we speak to the president of the Otago University Students Association, Melissa Lama, alongside student wellbeing advocate Megan Prentice on the upcoming annual North Dunedin Street Cleanup, which is held in memory of Sophia Cristani. After that, Nico will be talking to Anthony Alm on the subject of internet, International Conscience Day and the rise of anti-Semitism in New Zealand. Following that, we'll be doing... Oh, we'll be joined live, actually, by budding zoologist Andrew Johnston for our new weekly segment, Creature of the Week. Then finally, we'll have our local legend segment of the show, where each week we will talk to one local business doing some good mahi. This week, I'm talking to Mickey Little of Barefoot Blooms, a clothing brand committed to upcycling with style. But before all that, here is Astarangu with Two Zuma, a song which is sitting pretty at number eight on the Radio One Top Eleven countdown. See you soon.
You are listening to the R1 News. Coming up, we speak to OUSA President alongside Megan Prentice on the upcoming annual North Dunedin Street Cleanup held in memory of Sophia Cristani. But first up, here's Quinton with the bulletin. This is the R1 News Bulletin for Ratu Rima Maramafa, Tuesday the 5th of April. Ko Quintanaho. Aotearoa New Zealand will remain at the red setting of the COVID-19 protection framework despite the removal of vaccine passes. Today is the first day that the vaccine pass system that has defined New Zealand life for the last four months will become optional. Businesses can choose to keep the system in place but will not be legally required to do so. New Zealand Police, Defence Force and Fire and Emergency will be keeping the vaccine pass mandate in place for staff in certain positions depending on their exposure levels to the community and virus. Airlines Air New Zealand and Sounds Air will be keeping the vaccine mandate until at least the end of the month. Despite the expectation by many political pundits that New Zealand would move to the orange setting, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced that New Zealand would remain at red for at least another 10 days, citing the fact that some cities such as Christchurch are yet to hit their peak of infections. The traffic light setting will be reviewed by Cabinet on Thursday the 14th of April, just before the Easter weekend. The third IPCC report was released at 3am New Zealand time this morning, setting out to highlight what the world needs to do to limit global temperature rise to just under 1.5 degrees Celsius. The latest report from the International Body of Scientists stresses that there is still time to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees if we act now and act decisively. Scientists stress that allowing global temperatures to rise beyond 1.5 degrees will lead to disproportionately worse effects. To limit global warming to 1.5 degrees or below, emissions would need to peak in 2025, before steeply declining in the following decades. The result would be a net 84% reduction in emissions by 2050. The report also calls on the whole world, but particularly wealthy and developed nations, to step up their response to emissions reductions, citing the fact that despite pledges to cut emissions, global greenhouse gas emissions have continued to rise. The report does note that 18 countries have been driving down their emissions consistently for more than 10 years. Aotearoa New Zealand is not one of these 18 countries. Cutting dependence on fossil fuels, investing in low-carbon electricity in cities, reducing emissions from natural gas and agriculture, and further investment in renewable energy and technology are all more ways that the report suggests that global warming can be limited to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Staff at supermarket chain Countdown have called on the business to reintroduce its COVID-19 leave policy, rather than requiring workers to use their sick leave as it does at present. At 10am, Countdown workers and representatives from First Union, the union that represents Countdown staff, delivered a petition signed by more than 5,000 people to Countdown's head office in Auckland. Countdown refused to comment on both the petition and current company policy. At the peak of the Omicron outbreak, more than 2,000 Countdown staff were isolating, either sick or as household contacts. A spokesperson for First Union that said that Countdown's current policy of sick or discretionary leave rather than their former COVID leave policy was a disaster in waiting and left workers without certainty. First Union also raised the fact that Countdown's refusal to provide staff with COVID leave would leave staff without sick leave as the winter months approached. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has announced that the New Zealand government has not ruled out expelling the Russian ambassador to New Zealand as New Zealand government heightens its stance towards the Russian invasion of Ukraine. 
Aotearoa New Zealand has increased its sanctions against Russian oligarchs, last night adding another 36 individuals to the list of those sanctioned. Prime Minister Ardern has called reports of Russian war crimes in Ukraine beyond reprehensible and has called the Russian atrocities a violation of international law. New Zealand has referred the, to the situ, uh, excuse me. New Zealand has referred the situation in Ukraine to the International Criminal Court. That was the R1 news. Now the weather. The Radio 191 FM weather. A period of morning rain today, clearing up this evening. High of 21 degrees before cooling down to a modest 12 overnight. Tomorrow autumn looks really to set in with strong southwesterlies and early rain to start the day. The rain dies off, moving into the afternoon, with the winds picking up along the coast. 18 degrees, dropping to 8 overnight. That was the weather on R1 News. Tēnā Quentin. Coming up, we've got OUSA President speaking alongside Megan Prentice on the upcoming annual North Dunedin Street Cleanup, held in memory of Sophia Cristani. Before that, here's Hiatus Coyote with Get Sun.
Kia ora. My name is Seb and you are listening to the R1 News here on Radio 1. That song you just heard was Get Sun uh, by Hiatus Coyote. The time is 16 minutes past 11. Following the tragic passing of Otago Uni student Sophia Cristani at a party in October of 2019, a multi-agency agreement known as the Sophia Charter was created and signed by stakeholders from the University of Otago Emergency Services, the Dunedin City Council and the Otago Uni Students Association. It was hoped that the launch of a charter in her memory would improve student safety and well-being in North Dunedin. The ultimate goal of the Charter has been to provide a circle of support to ensure that North Dunedin became a stronger student neighbourhood where residents took responsibility for themselves, each other and the wider community. In line with the Sophia Charter, this Friday's annual North Dunedin Clean-Up will be the third official street clean-up to be held in memory of Sophia Cristani. Earlier this week, I was fortunate enough to talk to the president of the OUSA, Melissa Lama, and Sophia's close friend and advocate for student well-being, Megan Prentice, about what the cleanup meant to them as well as the wider student community. Here is our talk. Melissa, Megan, thank you so much for joining me. I'm taking the time out of your day to be here. I really, really appreciate it. Sophia Cristani's death back in 2019 affected a large number of people in the Dunedin community, and it really seemed as though she was a widely loved and respected student. Um, Megan, would you mind starting off by quickly telling us a little bit about who Sophia was to you and what she was like as a person? What kind of values did she stand for? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Sophia was my best friend. We met at school and I think everyone who knew her would describe her as like the kind of girl who would literally, I know this sounds so cliche, but she literally would light up a room like she had this laugh that was just so infectious and she was just so, she fiercely loved her friends and she, you know, she worked hard, played hard. <laughs> um, yeah, so she was studying maths and stats um, at uni. She was bloody smart, like really, really smart girl. Yeah, she, and she loved being around kids. She was a gym coach. Yeah, she just was an amazing, bubbly queen <laughs> mm, queen thank you so much for sharing that she sounds like an awesome person um elspeth yeah. mcmillan her mother said back in 2019 that she really didn't want sophia's uh passing to be in vain uh, which is part of the reason why nine months after that um ousa along with a number of other local organizations banded together to create the sophia charter um, Melissa, would you mind telling us a bit about this chart and what are the kind of intentions behind it? What does it set out to achieve? Yeah, yeah. So um, as a parent, I um, completely um, sympathise with, with Sophia's mum in terms of making sure that, you know, your daughter's passing is, is remembered and used in a meaningful way to encourage a change of behaviour with a group of students. And I guess that leads on to, to the purpose of the Sophia Charter and, and the multi-agency stakeholder agreement approach that includes um, the University of Otago, police, fire, emergency New Zealand, um, Otago Property and Investors Association and the Dunedin Council. And so um, there's quite a few 
players, uh, I'll call them players, but these are quite a few people um, who have put their hand up and who are willing to be a part of, of the purpose behind this FEA Charter, which is to, how I would put it in layman terms, is encourage a more safer culture in Dunedin amongst students um, and to encourage everybody to do meaningful things within our own spaces to keep each other safe and to look out for each other. And I guess I see the Sophie Charter in being this way because I feel like I can relate to it a bit more because um, everyone can go look at the charter and, um, you know, the words that they've used in there, which is, is great. But I feel like to reach out to students, if, we have to look at what its full-on purpose is. And my understanding is that it's to encourage us to look out for each other, have a better culture around our approach to alcohol and social gatherings um, with the with the end goal of making sure that we honour Sophia's memory. And so I'm really fortunate that Megan is a part of this whole push. Um, so, look, I encourage everyone to take a look at it, have a read, and also decide for yourself where you fit in the charter and, and what you could do to be a part of it. Thank you for that, Melissa. Um, to that end, um, the charter was it was signed in 2019. Um, do you believe that since then we've witnessed some positive change in regards to the well-being of students and student lifestyle as a result of the charter? Um. Yeah, so, yeah, it was launched in uh, July 2020 and there has definitely been some really um, awesome things happening. Just a lot of behind-the-scenes things, so I think it's it's difficult for students kind of to see um, how it's impacting them directly and there's been some really, really awesome things happening and, you know, police are working uh, with students a lot better in terms of, you know, hosting parties, they're starting to shut down entire streets to make sure that there's enough room and things. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think there's room for more things to happen, especially that's kind of visible as a student. But um, I think this is going to be the year for that. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a lots of behind-the-scenes stuff at the moment, and I think also a lot of things have been sort of halted by COVID. So, mm. yeah, I think it's really good like off this year. This Friday's street cleanup is an awesome example of Sophia Charter kind of put in action. Is it the third time that the cleanups happen? Officially, yes. Officially. But there was sort of like an unofficial cleanup last year as well because it, it all got organised and then with COVID, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't go ahead, but a bunch of people went down and cleaned up Castle Street anyway, which was really cool to see. So awesome. that's, you know, awesome example of students upholding the values of the Sophia Charter without being told to do it. So, yeah. That's so cool. Um, and, and you've been there every year. What, what's it been like to see kind of all these students rally behind this common cause? I think the most special thing for me is like seeing, you know, so many people obviously that did know Sophia, but I think seeing so many people there that I don't think knew Sophia is so special to me because it just goes to show how much of an impact it's had on people and how strongly people do feel you know, about the charter and about student safety and, you know, all coming together for a shared purpose and things. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling. So Dunedin students are kind of quite notorious for living in what many would consider subpar conditions. Um, most times you walk through the streets of uh, Castle and Leith, there's, there's litter everywhere and, and broken glass. And, and obviously a street cleanup will help make the area more livable, but 
do you think that events like this will sort of help shift the cultural mindset a little bit um, and maybe help people want to keep North Dunedin clean for the long term? Melissa? Yeah, I, look, I think it's it's about time that we give students ownership of of what the charter means to them as well, obviously to learn about it, but also take ownership on, on what the charter means to them. And part of that is um, encouraging the change of behaviour to value their space, I feel is so important. Um, value the spaces and their safety for themselves, but also those around them and their neighbours. Like, sounds really preachy, but um, I almost feel like... <laughs> bringing it back to ground level, the charter, where it's not necessarily all about the stakeholders, but real heavy focus on students um, will be really valuable in the long run. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. I think there's a massive focus on student voice in the charter this year and student engagement. And I think we're going to see a lot more um, just ideas and things coming from students. Um, yeah, there's lots of things in place in terms of it becoming more of a, bottom-up than top-down um, approach, which, again, should really, you know, help just things take off this year. Awesome. Awesome. Um, do either of you want to give us a bit of an outline as to how Friday will go down? Um, where and how can people get involved if they want to? Um, so, yeah, it's on 8th of April from 12 to 2. Um, you can come at any time, but we totally recommend to come at 12 because there's going to be a little bit of a briefing you know there's some health and safety stuff that we need to go over um but yeah 12 till 2 if you've got some brooms lying around in your flat that's awesome um there's going to be a barbecue there's going to be some music um and yeah that's that's pretty much it just and rock on anyone can, anyone can come along absolutely anyone can come along cool um Thank you so much for talking to me, guys. Is there anything else you'd like to add just in this, in this last segment about uh, anything to do with uh, Sophia herself, the charter, the cleanup? Any final comments? Uh, you might need a rain jacket on Friday. <laughs> Come prepared. Yeah. yeah. But a massive shout out to um, Sophia's family and friends. I think um, the charter is you know is going to get better from from their willingness to to keep their, their daughter and their friends um, memory and honor and so i'm just so grateful as OSA president that i get to be in the space and i'm still learning as to where i think i can better position myself to help them uh, but if anything it's good to see that there are ex-alumni students and current students who are driving driving this forward come and get amongst it everybody yeah it's gonna be awesome Thank you so much, guys. I, I really appreciate the work you're doing. It's it's it's, it's really inspiring. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll 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 come along and I'll bring some friends on Friday. I'll see you there. Um, see you there. That was the president of the OUSA, Melissa Lama, alongside Sophia Cristani's close friend and advocate for student well-being, Megan Prentice, speaking on the annual North Dunedin Street Cleanup that is happening this Friday, the 8th of April, in memory of Sophia Cristani. I highly recommend anyone, if you've got a free morning, uh, get down and, and, and help do some good work for... Uh, for this uh, beautiful place we call North Dunedin. Um, coming up on the show, we've got Nico speaking to Otago University professor Anthony Alm on Interna International Conscience Day. But before that, here is Judah Kelly with her latest release, Apathy. <laughs> Do you find it easy 
That was Judah Kelly with her latest single, Apathy, a great tune which I highly recommend playing on repeat. Kia ora, I'm Nico, and you're listening to the Radio 1 News Show. It is currently 31 minutes past 11, and we are going to move into our second pre-recorded interview. So today is the International Day of Conscience, a day in which we want to discuss and actively promote a culture of peace with love and conscience in our cross-cultural communication. This day incorporates the Universal Declaration of Human Rights with the important point that all human beings should act towards one another in a spirit of brotherhood, which is super important. 
Now, I thought it would be very interesting and topical to incorporate the aims of this day with a recent study that has been released claiming that in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been a rise in anti-Semitism in New Zealand. The study highlights this rise of anti-Semitism, but it is, however, controversial due to its conflating of anti-Jewish and anti-Israel views. It is still important, however, to discuss it as it starts a much-needed conversation of respectful social and cultural communication and representation. To discuss the importance of openness and the stay, I interviewed University of Otago lecturer Anthony Elm asking them questions in relation to this article and Global Day of Conscience, which is today. So everyone, listen to the interview. Here we go. Kia ora. Today I am joined with Anthony Elm, the head of the Languages and Cultures program at the University of Otago. And we will be discussing both a survey that has recently been released claiming that there has been a rise in anti-Semitism in New Zealand in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic in conjunction with the International Day of Conscience and discuss why it is so inherently important to promote conditions of stability and peaceful cross-cultural interaction. Okay, just going to launch into the first question now of why do we need and why is it so important that we approach cross-cultural communication with openness and with love? Where do we start? (laughs) It is a big question. It is a big question. Yeah, it is a big question. Now, it's something that seems so, I think the difficulty is that it seems so obvious. Yeah. And we wouldn't find anybody that disagrees. Well, at least not in my circle of friends, and, and I'm sure people around us as well. But between what we think is right and what happens in our daily lives is, is, is a huge difference. Mm. And I think many of us are not aware how deep those preconceptions actually are. So there might be little things happening in our everyday life that are actually not in which behave in ways which are not as neutral in quotation marks as we think we are. Yeah. And I think it's really important not just to focus on those big events where we have the clear bad guys, mm-hmm. but really more on our everyday interactions with people around us who are of different backgrounds. Because this I think makes a real difference in the end. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. And uh, just building on this, the task of constructing a space of peace in our communication with others, it requires such a comprehensive educational and cultural, social and civic understanding and action. And we have to give and share ourselves and be very open in communication and understanding others' viewpoints and backgrounds. So in regards to the survey about the rise of anti-Semitism in New Zealand and the appropriation of Jewish culture and symbols, how should we as a country or a community even within Dunedin, do you think, move forwards and understand this? I can't make any precise statements on that. Hmm. Um, but it's, re- I mean, it's, it's two things. I think really important that people are educated yeah. <laughs> about what happened actually in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And and the extent, I mean, of atrocities that people have been exposed to and have, I mean, I can't believe those things are even coming up in comparison. Yeah. Compar- comparing ourselves of being, having to stay for two weeks at home to living in a concentration camp. I mean, what kind of, how, how can anybody make this kind of claims? I mean, to me, it's, I mean, maybe... Being from a German background, that thing was, of course, being, um, um, it's very sensitive as well. Mm -hmm. But that to me is just to personally complete ignorance. And that 
should have alarm bells in our educational system that people are not actually know what's happening or what has happened. So that I think, so education, I think is crucial, understanding and sending history. It's, and and if it's the emotions that people have that lends, that leads them to use big words and big concepts and big historical things that happen. So Mm -hmm. that might be a way of expressing that. I think it's just not okay Mm -hmm. to compare things that are just not comparable. There was a second part of that question. No, I just didn't oh, really like, back to that. Oh, no, there's A-OK. Just as yeah. well, within a community even of Dunedin or perhaps University of Otago, what are some important tools perhaps that we can use to analyse the situation and even extending it? What is important also because you're a lecturer in global studies and I loved your paper. <laughs> loved <it>. <laughs> <laughs> so much as well, just about being open and listening with people. What are some key things that we can do as individuals? Well, I think the listening is is just so important. It's, it's really listening because quite often when we when we listen, we listen with the aim of responding mm. of and that as we do that, we might actually not listen that carefully because we want to match what we hear into our framework and how we can respond to that. But real listening, of course, means listening for things that we didn't expect and that we possibly don't have an answer to. So, and that is, I mean, it's something that is quite easily done. Well, I just listen, but that's really an art to listen to things that are foreign to us that we didn't expect and, and digesting that. And of course, the more you expose yourself to people of different backgrounds and of people who don't think like you, the more that is being tested. So I think really important to get out of our filter bubbles to talk to people who think differently, to go and talk to a wide range of people and even people who have different views of us and really expose ourselves because they have they have their point of view and that's perfectly you know, reasonable to them to think that way. But having that dialogue, I think, is just really important. Yes, the importance of being open and listening actively and not just doing it for the sake of it. That seems like such a critical tool in order to have a strong conversation and dialogue with those who differ from ourselves but deserve to be listened to and heard and understood thank you and do you have anything else that you'd like to talk on or speak on on this important subject and day of international conscience i think really being aware that if we naturally if we left ourselves quite often we choose to be in company of like-minded people mm-hmm. because they nicely confirm what we are already thinking yeah and that's and that's re- that's that makes us feel good about ourselves. So that's that's a nice place to be in. But it's reaching out. I think is really important. But really reaching out and listening to others. I think that is just so important. And going beyond your comfort zone, mm-hmm. and just questioning your own biases. I think is really important. Thank you so much. I think you hit it on the head. That that was great. Thank you so much. And it's a very important place to begin conversation especially in relation to the current times that we are in and all those lessons which you've mentioned are super important thank you so much for joining me you are currently listening to the r1 news show uh, on today Edirangi kotahi radio one uh that was Nico joined by Anthony Alm to discuss the International Conscience Day today and the importance of peaceful cross-cultural communication. 
Uh, next on the show, we have the first installment of our new segment, Creature of the Week, where each week we talk to budding zoologist Andrew Johnston about a local animal. Uh, this week, Andrew is talking to us about New Zealand fur seals and sea lions, and I can't bloody wait for this yarn. But before that, here is uh, one of my favourite uh, Dunedin bands, Hardy Unclear, with their song, Julius Caesar. Keep it locked. Good everyone, uh, you got it tuned to Tereo Edirangi Kotahi Radio One. This is the Radio One News Show with Seb and Nico. Um, 
And now, our first instalment of our new zoology segment, Creature of the Week. We're going to be talking to the up-and-coming zoologist, uh, Andrew Johnston. I've got him on the line now. Let's bring him in. Hello, Andy. Are you there, mate? G'day, g'day. Good to hear from you. Hey, dude. Nice. We got you. How are you? Good. Very good. Yeah. Enjoying another lovely, great Dunedin day. Lovely, great Dunedin day, as per usual, <laughs> eh? Um, hey man, would you l- mind telling us uh, a bit about yourself firstly and your experience uh, with the flora and fauna of uh, Otipoti Dunedin? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think, you know, growing up in, in Zen, Aotearoa, New Zealand, um, I've got a bit of a passion for nature and wildlife, as you do. So I ended up getting a degree in zoology from Otago, and I'm now currently just completing a master's in wildlife management. Um, looking at the Mahla Nui giant weather, which is a um, endangered species of us. And um, yeah, I think around the area, I've done a few um, projects with uh, Doc and um, a few volunteering stuff. And yeah, absolutely um, love being in the wildlife capital of New Zealand. Gorgeous, man. Sounds like you have such a comprehensive background in the scene, which is uh, <laughs> makes you a perfect uh, host of our uh, Creature of the Week segment. So thanks for joining us, dude. Uh, what, oh, are we, what, yeah. are, <laughs> what are we talking about today, man? Um, so today we're going to talk about the uh, sea lion in, um, I suppose, Eastern Eden, because um, it's in the news a bit recently. It has been. It has been in the news. And, and recently there have been a couple of um, not-so-great stories... Of, no. alter- of altercations between sea lions and humans. Um, I mean, just earlier this year, a video surfaced of a man fighting off a sea lion uh, with his bodyboard as he was leaving the water in St. Clair. Um, and then only a few weeks ago, uh, we had a Dunedin sea lion pup that was struck and killed by a vehicle on the Otago Peninsula um, just days after the Department of Conservation called for a caution from drivers in the area, uh, which, is, which is really upsetting. Um, yep. Andy, what like what do you believe that can be done to help improve these uh, interactions with these beautiful animals? How how do we go about respecting um, uh, these our, our very little friends? Yeah, I, I think that's a fantastic question. It's an awesome one to bring to light. Um, I think that there's two main things we can look at. We can look at our mentality. We can look at our practicality. Right? We can look at the mentality, how we view these animals, what we know about them, and then practically what we can do. So I think it's important to know that um, sea lions in Australia New Zealand are one of the rarest sea lion species in the world. They're only found here. There's only about 12,000 left um, in the country. And so uh, New Zealand has a um, threat classification system where they've classified them as nationally vulnerable. And the IUCN, which is the International Union for Conservation of Nature, they've classified them as endangered. So they're really, yeah, not doing so well um, here. It's important to realize that, and then um, because we realize that, we've got to take on the, the kaitia tongi, you know, the guardianship of these uh, species. Mm. I think that's, that's the first step, is really just the education, the mentality of what we know about these guys. And then the second step is just the practicality. What can we actually do? I think um, the best thing we can do is really just follow the doc guidelines, their, their, their teachings. You know, if you see a sea lion, try and stay 20 meters away from them. You're going to be able to see them uh, pretty well from 20 meters away. It's a pretty big animal. You'll still get a good look. Mm-hmm. And um, also just like stick away from the ends of beaches where they usually congregate. Um, and also the other thing to know is that personal responsibility, you know, we also have to understand that there are large fishing boats and trawlers and whatnot that are also 
um, imaging to steal habitats and, and feeding grounds. So I think it's just understanding all of those different aspects put together. Yeah, um, Seb and I have been to the beach a couple times uh, recently and a couple times it's been a close call of Seb trying to get into the water and then a sea lion going, nope, this is my water. But also I I feel like a couple of weeks ago I was sitting on the sand and I just see the sea lion coming closer and closer down the mm-hmm. beach. And it, is it the right thing to just keep on giving it that space, just as you were saying, to just keep that distance? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think cruising. Uh, almost you know, the, the sea lions on the beach mm. <laughs> more than we do. Mm. Um, and they're going to want to come on land and rest up. You know, you'll often see them licking sand onto their bodies, uh, you know, spot away flies and protect them from the sun. I think the best thing to do is, yeah, just respect that. Move away, you know, 20 meters or so off them and then, uh, and then go back to your business. Mm. I, I, I guess in order to improve our relations with these animals, Andy, it, it, it starts with awareness. Um, <laughs> would you mind telling us a little bit about any any fun facts about the New Zealand sea lion and maybe a little bit about its close relative, the fur seal, that also um, calls the Otago Peninsula its home? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, some, yeah, some absolutely incredible stuff that we know about fur seals. Um, I mean, the males get to 3.5 metres long, 400 kg, so they're, they're big animals. Um, and that they oh, they don't migrate, so they only stay in one place for their whole life. So once they're in a place, once they're down, they call it that's where they stay. Um, they're also uh, the only natural predator that these guys have, you know, apart from uh, any endangerment that humans cause, is the great white shark. So they're, they're pretty pretty formidable creatures. Um, so I think the best uh, fact, and something that us, um, Danita and I should be quite proud of, is, is the um, famous mum. Uh, mm. You guys aware of mm. She has a statue out at St. Clair Esplanade. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. So she um, was the first sea lion to be born on mainland New Zealand um, for over 100 uh, years in 1993. She was born here. And um, most pups that are in the Otago Peninsula are somehow related to this uh, sea lion, to this mum. So, <laughs> really, really cool thing about sea lions in Indonesia. Um, so, so, sorry, just to repeat what you said, mum is the, the matriarch who gave birth to most of the sea lions that we have on our coast. That's right. That's, that's bonkers. That's bonkers. Awesome, mate. Good on good. mum. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's such a good fact. I did not know that. Oh, my goodness. What a queen. What a girl boss. <laughs> well, for the, uh, for the species, absolutely. Um, and, Andy, how, how does one tell a New Zealand sea lion and a New Zealand fur seal apart? Yeah, yeah. So you often see um, both of them on the beach. Um, so if you're looking at a sea lion, you'll know that they're sea lions because they're a bit bigger and they've got a very blunt nose. Um, and they're usually ones found lounging on the beach itself. Whereas the fur seals, they're quite a bit smaller, a bit furrier. They've got pointier noses. But the big thing is that they have very obvious ears on the side of their heads and um, their flippers rotate forward to make it easier to, to move on the rocks where you'll usually find them. Okay. Okay. Well, now we'll now we'll always know. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's yeah, blunt yeah. blunt yeah. nose and big blunt ears. nose and big ears. Is, no, no. No blunt nose and bigger is a sea lion. First seals are smaller. And you can and see their ears. That's yeah. the one. Gotcha. <laughs> That's the one. Cool. Well, yeah. Now 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 we're experts like you, Andy. <laughs> Thanks. 
Um, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's oh. been really amazing talking to you. Can't wait to talk to you next week about an animal uh, that is yet to be decided. Um, but until then, mate, have a great week um, exploring uh, uh, the wildlife that you so um, comfortably do, and we'll see you yeah. next week. Yeah, thanks so much. And if, um, if you guys want to join along in anything, I've got a few socials that you guys can find as well. Just, yes, uh, how do we plug you, man? Where do we find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, uh, I'm on Insta, I'm on TikTok. Just look up uh, andyjohnson.wildlife and you'll find some uh, short-form documentaries that I make. That, that, and some have even gone viral, eh, Andy? Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're getting there. <laughs> That's sick, man. That's so cool. Uh, big ups, man. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. All right. See you, Andy. We'll see you next week, right. dude. See you next week. Thanks so much. Bye. That was Andrew Johnston, uh, a budding zoologist, talking to us a little bit about New Zealand fur seals and sea lions. What a legend. What a legend indeed. My goodness. <laughs> um... Right, so next up on the show, what's going on, Nika? Well, to bring the show to a lovely close, we have our second edition of Local Legends. I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing this morning Mickey Little, who is the powerful, creative and groovy mind behind the clothing brand Barefoot Blooms. So, yeah, should we get into the... Let's crack into it. Here's your interview with Mickey. Kia ora. Today on our second installment of Local Legends, I am joined by Mickey, who is a creative powerhouse behind the clothing brand Barefoot Blooms. Kia ora, Mickey. How are you this morning? Hey, pretty good. Yeah, just got to my studio, actually. Now, thank you so much for joining me. I'm just going to ask you some questions to get a better idea of your brand and kind of the feeling behind it and why everyone yeah. listening should definitely check it out. So, Barefoot Blooms is a very cool, funky fashion brand, and it is also sustainable. What inspired you though to begin Barefoot Blooms like have you been in the fashion scene a while or did you kind of want to bring your own twist to everyday clothing like what led you to where you are today? Yeah I studied fashion at Polytech like a couple years ago and graduated in like maybe 2018 and then yeah that just we've all become like increasingly aware of how like fast fashion is affecting the planet and all the negative effects it's having sorry and yeah that just inspired me to just start an alternative to like men's and women's casual wear especially I will I utilize like a range of dead stock and vintage and materials so just which adds like a whole nother element to yeah a whole nother like personal element and like to the brand as well which is really nice yeah for sure thank you and just building off of that as well when you create the garments by hand Mm -hmm. like how's the process of designing new pieces and creating one-off pieces for customers as well like what's that process like for you yeah i really enjoyed having the customer be a part of the design process Mm. so they choose because all pieces are one-offs due to the nature of like sourcing the materials from vintage and vintage stores and op shops so the customer gets to choose the material or like the pattern and they provide me with their measurements and then we kind of go from there and often the materials come in like a range of lengths which adds a whole other like to it so we like often match fabrics or like what else was I going to say <laughs> no that's very um, cool though seems like you yeah really- tailor it to the individual so it can yeah. feel like it's absolutely their own which is sick yeah yeah we usually like cut it from like three 
styles of silhouettes, but they usually like quite a boxy, like loose fit, so like a versatile like garment. Yeah, you can wear it any day, any time of the day, kind of thing. For sure. And it was interesting when you're talking about the fabrics. How is it sourcing fabrics? Is it quite like a difficult process or do you normally find that you strike gold in like the local op shop or is it kind of something you have to keep on searching for just? Yeah, I think, yeah, you've got to constantly search. I usually take like a day or so. Like I personally um, source a lot of my clothes from op shops. So like while I'm there, I'll have like a look at their fabric section or even just utilizing certain garments at op shops like jeans. You can like kind of repurpose them into dungarees or that kind of thing and there's a few stores in Dunedin <laughs> that I do go to and like do a massive fabric haul yeah I think Dunedin's definitely the spot for like both op shops and like fabric stores or vintage stores definitely it does seem to have a bit of that charm you find some good treasures and op yeah. shops which is amazing yeah it's pretty like time consuming but it's totally worth it at the end of the day you know we're gonna be looking after Mama Earth so reusing like an abundance of fabrics. I just have one yeah. final question for you. Uh, give me five descriptors for Barefoot Blooms, just so everyone listening kind of gets an idea about what the clothing feels like, looks like, like how they can experience it. Oh, good question. Do you mean like the style of the style as well? Or? Yeah, the style as well. You can incorporate that in if you want. Uh, oh, loose fitting. It's like color or colorful or funky. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's not. I'd rather like use groovy or funky pieces. Yeah, sustainable, ethically made. Yeah. Oh, just like comfortable. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. And I usually, I utilize natural fibers as well, but that's a sentence, not, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not a word. It's good. But- of course, on radio, no one can actually see clothing right now. So it's great that you're giving a descriptor. But for everyone listening as well, where can we find Barefoot Blooms online to check out your work and also to order some? Uh, just up on Instagram at the moment, barefoot underscore blooms underscore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're working on a little website at the moment, which is exciting. Sweet. Thank you so, so much for joining me. No worries. Thank you for having me. Kia ora. Kia ora, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back. That was me interviewing the lovely Mickey Little, the creative powerhouse and absolute local legend behind Barefoot Blooms. If you've just tuned in now, Local Legends is in its second edition, and it is where we have the opportunity to interview a local legend in and around Dunedin who is making a difference with a new brand, restaurant, creative idea, and is really just offering up something new and different to the Dunedin scene. The so. good people doing the good mahi. For sure. You wrapped it up. That was um, great. So we've had a pretty action-packed show today. Uh, at the top of the show, we spoke to the president of the OUSA, uh, Melissa Lama, alongside a student well-being advocate, Megan Prentice, on the up-and-coming annual North Dunedin Street Cleanup, which is going to be held this Friday in uh, loving memory of Sophia Cristani. Um, and then, Nico, you talked to Anthony Alm? Yes, yes, I did, on the International Day of Conscience and as well on a survey which has recently been released saying that there's been a rise in anti-Semitism in New Zealand. So it was quite an interesting incorporation of two different topics which relate well together. 
It was a great conversation. Uh, Anthony is a global studies. Yes, lecturer. she is the head of the Department of Cultures and I think languages as well, but also specializes in global studies. A great paper. I have done a couple of the papers, <laughs> so I am biased, but it's great. It's amazing. Good sell. Um, after that, we then spoke to. Uh, zoologist Andrew Johnston um, on our Creature of the Week segment he gave us a little rundown on sea lions uh, fur seals, the difference between them, how to protect them how to live in harmony with those beautiful animals I really enjoyed that talk it was so fun, I loved it too um, and then finally, you just spoke to Mickey Little of Barefoot Blooms on our local business segment. Um, and and yeah, and now we're perfectly at 12 o'clock. So wow, good timing. Gosh, we squeezed, we squeezed a lot into a good hour. Yeah. Action-packed hour. Um, right, so that's all for this week, folks. Um, can't wait to join you next Tuesday for another action-packed R1 News. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.